Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm so glad to be back with you in this episode. Been a little while through the holidays, but it's good to be back with you. I wanted to answer a question that was asked to me, or at least expound on a topic that was mentioned to me on Facebook. Thanks again for uh, sending in those things that you'd like to hear podcasts on. And it's rather controversial. It's one of the most controversial things you'll find in the church today, which is a theology question. And the question is, once saved, always saved is how I'll title this, but more referred to would be Calvinism versus Arminianism. And it's important to know the history and, and on this topic to try to do this in 20 minutes once again would be a very, very difficult task that couldn't be done. There's pay, there's books that are written on this that are three and 400 pages long plus and multiple books. But I do want to give a version of this because I don't think that we need to read a three or 400 page book to get started on uh, as we read scripture to meditate on scripture and to understand this. But it is, if you really want to be able to defend this view or to be able to get a seated stance on this view, you should read. And I suggest books. Uh, there's a book called Chosen But Free that I have here. And uh, years ago, I've read uh, a good majority of this book. I'm going to be honest, not the entire thing. But it was by Norman Geiser, and I thought it was a balanced view, is what it says, of divine election. And then also classical Arminianism, and that was Leroy Fourlines that has written that. And I've read that book. And, uh, of course, Leroy Fourlines is Free Will Baptist. But... As I, there's a ton, plenty of other books that have written, uh, you know, there's a lot of Calvinisms, and Calvinism would be that once saved, always saved view. I would call that Calvinism, and I know already if there's some Calvinists out there like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I mean, uh, we're not all that way because we don't hold to the tulip. And the TULIP is basically an acronym that basically describes what they believe in Calvinism, that you can never lose your salvation. But I'm going to refer to them things as Calvinism being you can never lose your salvation and Arminianism being that you can lose your salvation. Once that you've found God and you've found faith, or excuse me, once God finds you and you accept Christ, then you can walk away from God and lose your salvation, that you're going to lose your place and your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, if you will. And I've had great arguments about this with people, and I mean great, meaning hour-long conversations, and I'm not a theologian, nor do I claim to be one, but I am, uh, I, I'm very familiar with a lot of different teachings and sermons and books, and I, I also have read John Piper, uh, you know, uh, on his book, Faith and Future Grace, and his idea, it's a 400-page book probably, his idea that it's so important to teach people that there's faith in future grace, so I have educated myself on this, but I don't, I didn't spend years getting caught up on it, but I want to talk about, you know, the, 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 basically the tulip and Calvinism just briefly. I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about why, uh, where my view is, but first and foremost, uh, this is a secondary view. Uh, I don't care, uh, you know, people say different things. Uh, you know, John Piper, of course, very, very great Bible teacher, very, very schooled. And John Piper believes that probably I would say he wouldn't say it was a secondary issue, that if you're a preacher, you are to be believing that you cannot lose your salvation and that that is a point that you have strength in that. And, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's his view. But at the same time, John Calvin came up with this Calvinistic view in 1536, roughly around the early 
early 1500s, and John Calvin was the one that really came out with the tulip. And there were those after John Calvin that we call extreme Calvinists. And extreme Calvinists, I find it very difficult to talk to uh, because it, the, the few that I've talked to, even briefly on the matter, it, they are so dogmatic and so abrasive. I mean, I mean, they know Scripture, though, also. You know, they, they know Scripture. But uh, many times, you know, they come across this way that you're just an idiot if you believe you can lose your salvation. And, you know, if somebody's out there and they want to discuss it more with me, they can. But the ones I've found is that they've just come across very harshly. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't ever want to get into that with people. I don't ever want to, you know, give the devil an opportunity or a foothold in my life. So I kind of cut those conversations short. But I've had good friends that believe that you cannot lose your salvation. And we've had great talks about it. But about this tulip, this idea, this is the idea that John Calvin came up with. And then there were others, A.W. Pink is extreme Calvinists. There's many extreme Calvinists that believe even stronger than John Calvin believed, but they believe basically in the total depravity of man, that we cannot choose God, but he chooses us. And it's one thing to believe that, you know, even Arminians believe that we, that God does choose us, that he's, that, that we have to be drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit. But they go a step further, most generally, and say that man is so depraved, he's so evil, that it's not even in his ability to be able to make the choice for God. So God really actually chooses you. Uh, but basically it's almost, in my opinion, it's more like a switch. He turns your heart for you because you're so depraved. You can't even make a good decision. People argue with that, but I'm going to go on uh, total depravity and then unconditional election that God chooses some and not others. And, and I hate to say it this way, but it's almost like you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. God has predestined and pre determined on unconditionally he has chosen people and that there's nothing in your capacity that you can do to be saved if you're not one of those elect which i strongly disagree with and think is really heresy but that's all right uh, people can have different views limited atonement is another thing they believe the elect of god uh, that it's not whosoever will and and that, that the elect of god that the atonement was for those people not that god died for all now, Armenians don't believe that God died for all, so therefore all can go to heaven. That's a universalistic uh, view of everyone going to heaven. They don't believe that, but they do believe that God did die for all. And so that's important as we look at this idea of limited atonement. But then they use the eye in tulip. Uh, the eye in tulip is irresistible grace. And, and I do like the way this is said uh, by the Calvinists because it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, uh, flashy, if you will, but it's, you know, that God's sweetly irresistible grace, that, that it's so, God's grace is so powerful that it's irresistible. So when he's chosen you to be saved, it is so sweet that you choose God. And, and some people have said, no, they're saying that he takes you to heaven, kicking and screaming. I don't believe that's what they're saying, but that's in... And that's an interesting view that it's so sweet that you can't resist it. So therefore you turn. And then there's the, um, preservation of the saints. And then that is that God preserves his people that they can never be lost. And that's really the major point in this, in Calvinism is that, you know, people can never be lost no matter what happens. And I've heard Armenians say, well, that means they can live like the devil. Well, my friends that believe 
that you cannot lose your salvation. They don't believe you can go out and live like the devil. They believe that if you go out and live like the devil, you're probably just not saved. So I can agree with the Calvinist in this area. See, I try to find areas with people that talk about this to agree with them on areas. But then I've heard other people come in and the dogmatic and the people that have been that I've talked to that are, you know, almost even demeaning. They'll say, well, if you believe in one, you got to believe them all. It's all five point. Well, I think that God would have us to try to agree with people on areas. And I just totally disagree with agreeing with someone that they say that people can never be lost once they're saved. That's my view. But I'm also okay because it's a secondary issue. It is not worth arguing and getting upset over. Matter of fact, I don't think this is now here. Here, This is a, a big controversial statement. I don't think you have to go to a church with even a pastor that believes just like you on this. I don't. And I've heard people say, I can't imagine people telling people you can lose your salvation. God's up there with an eraser and he's erasing your name. And he's writing it back. He's erasing your name. And he's writing it back. First of all, that's ludicrous. And that's ridiculous. I don't believe that. Does God have a literal book with a literal pen? No, we use those terminologies. When it says God will hide you under his wing, does that mean he has wings? Does God now have wings? No, but that's allegorical statements made about things. Those are not literal things that happen. We say written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We say things like raining cats and dogs. We don't mean it's literally raining cats and dogs. I think it's ridiculous to think that we believe, that Armenians believe, that you're going to write your name down and then erase it. Write your name down and erase it. No. I think by experience, and I know experience is not the Word of God, but by our experience, we can know that most people that I've known they try to serve God for a while and then they walk away. I believe they do have a, a salvation. And I don't know at what point. Here's, here's one of the key things. The sovereignty of God and the will of man. That's really what they're talking about with Calvinism and Arminianism. The sovereignty of God is how can he be sovereign? He is sovereign. That's his character. But a sovereign God that can save you in spite of yourself, that's the sovereignty of God. And then the will of man, you choosing God. And, and, and so what, what most times is, is when they walk away from God, how long is it before they're lost? Well, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't have to know the answer to that. The Bible says that God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I don't have to know that. I don't have to conclude that. No more than I have to conclude, you know, uh, the, the, how, you know, depraved man is. Yes, man, man is depraved. Yes, man doesn't have in his capacity to be good. Man can be good, but still be his righteousness, the Bible says, is filthy rags. I don't have to know every little detail and how far you can run that out to the end. You know, that man is depraved, but at what point when you make the decision, you get saved when you, if you're in church and you get up, are you saved then? Or are you saved when you get to the altar? Or are you saved when you go home and, and you repent of your sin and turn away from your life you were in? I mean, I don't know exactly the, the second. And I don't know the second. I don't think God throws away his children for saying one bad word, if you will. And I don't say bad words, but the whole point is, I don't think if you go out and fail one time, a righteous man falls seven times but rises again, the Bible says. But I can hold those truths okay and not have to die on the hill or also don't have to be dogmatic nor demeaning towards someone that believes different than me. And I think that you can go to a church with a pastor that is a Calvinist and and far be it if you can deal with <laughs> if you can deal with it and even an extreme Calvinist. I think you can. 
Because if they love people and they're impacting the kingdom and they're seeing souls saved and they're teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, then that's the main thing. Do they believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that he was God when he did it? Those are, those are primary truths. Now, that's the thing that other religions don't believe. They believe that Jesus was a prophet. They believe that he came, that he died. But when he died, he was not God. And do they believe that the Bible is 100% the inherent word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit? That is not a secondary truth. That is a tertiary. That's that is the, the the first truth, the one truth. Tertiary, excuse me, would be the third truth, not secondary. But no, it's the primal truth. The primal truth is that the word of God, and not there is no other book that should be held nor even close to the Bible. There's no book. The Book of Mormon should not be there. We should not hold. Uh, we should not hold any other thing in Scripture or any man's revelation. We cannot hold that even close. That's heresy, and it's ludicrous, and it's sin and blasphemy in the face of God. But. Someone that says you can lose your salvation or can't, I could sit under their ministry, under their teaching. I'm okay with that. I've, I've gleaned greatly off ministers that didn't believe just how I believed. But see, the Bible says that Jesus was a man full of grace and full of truth. And we have to remember that. And, and so we have to have grace, but we have to have truth. And sometimes what I've found is people want to ride the horse of truth, ride the horse of truth, or ride the horse of grace, ride the horse of grace. I am fearful as a minister of the gospel. This is, this is a fear of mine that I would not give someone false security that they'll be saved. And that plays a great point in me. A great, uh, excuse me, that, that plays a great a tool in this that 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 really pulls me toward Arminianism, and people would say, "Well, you just don't understand the Word of God." Well, I've given it a pretty good shot. That doesn't mean that I know everything. I can be wrong about things, and you can be wrong about things. But I am careful, even if a person goes down and prays at an altar, to say that they're saved. I think a person being saved needs to come from them. And I think when we go around and try to beat the drum of you're saved, you're saved, you're saved, and you're always saved, you're always saved, you're always saved, I think we become in the danger of knowing how did Jesus deal with people? Jesus dealt with people where they were. He went to the Pharisees and he said, you're a den of whitewashed tombs. He said, what are you doing? You hypocrites, you thieves, you liars. You don't know your father, Abraham. That's what he would say. But he would go to the woman and he'd write in the dirt and he would say to the woman, he who has a stone anymore. He, who, he told the people around him, all the Pharisees, all the religious, he said, he who without sin cast the first stone and they didn't. And Jesus said to the woman, where art thou accusers? But then he went to her and he said, go and sin no more. See, he goes to the people that are under conviction, that are under the, under the idea and the shame. And he goes to them and he gives them life and he gives them grace. But he goes to the religious that says, you think you're holy, you think you're right, but you're a den of whitewashed tombs. He said, you don't love the brethren. The love of brethren is not even in you. So see, we have to be careful as a minister of the gospel, as a people of his church, that when we go to people, you give a kid a hammer, the whole world becomes a nail. There are people that need the grace of God worse than anything else because they're beaten down by the devil and by life and by their home and the way they were raised and the abuse they've been under. And then there's people that's got it pretty good that thinks they're really, really spiritual because they don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't hang around girls that do. 
And I don't believe in any of that. But the point is, those people, the, the, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharpening a two-edged sword divides even the bone and the marrow. He could, God can go to an eight-year-old. I saw it happen last week and save his soul from his sins the same as he can go to a 60-year-old drug addict and save his soul. And it takes the same grace. But we have to be careful on writing this idea of Calvinism and Arminianism. I also, in Arminianism, I don't want people to think they're lost all the time. I think there is great knowing and knowing that I'm saved and that Jesus died on a cross for my sins. I have to be careful that I'm not bringing people into doubt. But what I have to do is is abide in Christ. The Bible says that he would abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you shall bear much fruit. My job is not to try to figure out every Calvinist and every Arminian. My job is to abide in him. And I think I need to, I need to abide in him the rest of my life. And that's where I encourage people to do. And I think about key scriptures and it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I have a real problem with Calvinism that may say that not every person that confesses their sins, that, that they shall be saved. And then I remember my key scripture for my ministry is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans ten thirteen. whosoever, it's a universal call to all, not to one, not to some, not to every other. Not to this 10 and not that 10, but to all. I believe that. That's what my ministry is built on. I don't believe we need to knock on doors to hope we find the one that could be saved. I believe we knock on the doors knowing that if they will respond, then they could be saved. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess Jesus as Lord, thou shalt be saved. I believe that if we confess, here's one thing that I've known through experience as well. I have to talk about experience if I'm going to be real. And and one thing I've seen is that you can get a lot of people to pray. You can get a lot of people to get excited about church. They get them to go out and confess to their friends and the people that they're saved. That's pretty tough. That gets a little tougher. It's like, I believe we need to start confessing. I try to get people to confess at church and talk about the Lord and, and talk about them being saved. But then they need to go out in the highways and the byways and confess. And he says, if you confess me before men, I, if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my father. So part of salvation is is knowing they're saved from me is that they are confessing. There's people that have been in church all their life that don't confess. I'm not saying they're saved. Matter of fact, I'd say there's a lot of people sitting in church every week. They're not saved because they don't see people born again. They don't go out and share the gospel. I, I'm, I believe it pretty straight. But it also remembers scriptures like this in John 10, 28 says, that, you know, when people of Calvinism, here's, here's one of the things they use. And, and some of them will debate and say, oh, that's not my key scripture. But I've heard him say in John 10, 28, my father is greater than all and no man can pluck you out of my hand. They say that means no man. That's your, that's the security of a believer. And then I've seen Arminians take and say that believes you can lose your salvation and say, well, that says it's a man and that's not God and, and that's not the devil and, and all these things. But, but those scriptures, you, you take scripture and light of scripture with other scriptures. And I do believe that in my salvation, as someone that believes you can lose your salvation, you can walk away from God and you can enter into hell once you've had a faith. I believe that. But I also believe that no man can pluck me out of the, the father's hand. Like the scripture says, I do believe I can willingly walk out. I do believe that it is in my flesh willest no good thing. The apostle Paul said, I beat my body into subjection. I may myself may not become a castaway. Now, if you study that scripture, I may not become a castaway, 
Now that I've heard people say, well, that just means of no, of no use in the gospel. I think we're either in use of the gospel and we're saved or of no use. I believe that Paul himself could have been cast out. I believe that God, in his in knowing what was going to happen, he wouldn't have used his words. He would have known he was lost. I, and people say, oh, that's a lot of presumption. Well, we have to presume some things. Matthew 24, 13 says, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. This is one of the keys I hang my hat on. And you can go and read in Hebrews and all the first uh, six, seven chapters. And you can say, if, 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 and you can read all the ifs in the Hebrews, but it says, but he that endureth till the end shall be saved. And my fear for people is believing that they said a prayer and they're saved forever. I was 10 years old. I was in a church and I said a prayer and I remember what the minister said. Most of you have heard this part of my testimony, but it is a very big part of that's molded me into the way I believe. And a minister said to me, do you want to go to heaven or hell? I said, I'll go to, I'd love to go to heaven. I wasn't a smart boy, but I did know that I didn't want to be in a lake of fire and burn forever and ever. And he said, okay, so say this prayer. And the minister said to me, he said, no matter whatever happens, you remember this. You said this prayer this day, you are saved. Now, did he say that or not? I don't know. I was 10. That's what I heard. And forever in my life, I never repented. I never understood Jesus, what he did at the cross. I never changed anything in my life. We moved then. We never went to church much after that. I never understood. And I would go and I'd get in trouble and I'd say, Lord, you're my Lord. You're my Father. You're my Savior. Please forgive me. Amen. I was 29 years old. I walked into a church and I realized I was lost. I'd never been saved. And I gave my life to Christ and I repented my sin. I walked away from my sins. And I could not believe it. It scared me because I knew I was on my way to hell. And all my life, I prayed that prayer. God, please forgive me. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. He was not my Lord. He was not my Savior. I had said a prayer. And a man told me that I was saved forever. And don't let anybody ever tell me any different. But I can tell you, friends, I was the only thing that held me over hell was the grace of God for all those years. I would have split hell wide open. And I know that it's my soul, it's my salvation. That's the way I believe. And it's hard for anybody else to convince me of that. But I remember that time. And I think, be very, very careful when you tell someone they're saved or they're not saved. And I'm not saying that Calvinists will tell you you're saved, but I cannot in my being as being a minister of the gospel, I cannot tell people that doesn't mean it's right. But that's where I am. I can't tell people no matter what. They're always saved. I got to tell people that you have to endure until the end. You must continue in the faith, trusting. Yes, I trust for his grace 100%. By grace, you are saved through faith. And it's not of works, lest any man should boast. But I must get up every day and follow my face and tell God to help me because I am depraved in my nature. I have no spiritual sense. And I depend on the cross daily when I wake up and when I go to bed. And if I wake up and I don't depend on him, it's in a dangerous place of backsliding that will eventually lead to walking away from God that will eventually lead you to a devil's hell. But friends, I hope this word's been good to you. And I want to encourage you to dive into the word of God, into these scriptures and 
Once again, I love our dear Calvinist brothers, and I know some great Armenian brothers, and I've gleaned greatly from both of them. And I hope I hope this has helped you. I pray that you'd get maybe get one of these books. Get get a book on Calvinism. Get a book on Arminianism. You can look them up. Study about John Calvin, Joseph Arminius. Joseph Arminius actually wrote uh, his theology, and, and him and a group of others came up with it. It was a rebuke of Calvinisms, and it was about the 1700s. And so John Calvin, Joseph Arminius, there's plenty of stuff on online if you want to study this. And friends, don't forget to send in your topics. I'd love to discuss the next one. Until next time, friends, God bless.